The new Minnesota Lottery Vikings Scratch Game is the official scratch game of the Minnesota Vikings. The official top prize is $100,000. Season tickets, an away game trip for four, and more are officially the second chance prizes. Learn more on our website, which you can't see because this is officially a radio ad. It's mnlottery.com. Remember, you must be officially 18 or older to play the official scratch game of the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Lottery. I'm in. Wake up. Put your shoes on. Take a breath of the northern air. And rub those eyes. Of course, we will get to the actual football. The Vikings' disappointing loss and a very difficult week with them going on the road to Philadelphia on a short week. But I think we'll start today uh, with our resident expert on contract negotiations and player relations, Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, presented by the Minnesota State Lottery Vikings Scratch Game Edition. You can find out everything you need to know about that game at mnlottery.com. We will start with Justin Jefferson's situation uh, thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. Best way to listen to this show or any show you listen to on the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Thanks to our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Thank you to Platinum Bank, and thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. So, Jeff, before we get the actual football, the fact that a Justin Jefferson deal didn't get done before opening day and sounds like it might not be revisited until after the season, what do you make of that? I, I make of it that it's – somewhat surprising in that there's a lot at risk for Justin to be playing <laughs> with so much at stake in the future, but he, he's young, he's been very healthy and I don't think it's a, it's a major concern for him, but I I'm sure it's a little bit of a minor thorn in his side that it's not done. <clears throat> I, I think what has complicated this deal and I always felt all along that it should be a relatively easy deal to do because you know what he needs to be paid. He's got to be above Tyreek Hill, who has $30 million a year in new money. He's got a little over $28 million a year, including Tyreek's last year before his extension. So Tyreek is actually making about 28.1. But I think what, what complicated it is Nick Bosa's deal. I think that Justin and his people want to be paid the most of any non-quarterback in the NFL, or certainly equal to Bosa, who in new money is at $34 million a year. Um, and when you factor in the Bosa was supposed to make whatever $19 million this year, so he's a little bit less than that. I think that's what Justin is shooting for. And in some respects, by if they don't do it until after the season, it makes it easier to get a deal done from the standpoint that they don't have to factor in his whatever $2.4 million base salary this year. They can then work off of $19 million next year and then go from there. So say if they did $170 million over five in a new deal, which would equal Bosa's new money, and then add the $19 million on his on Justin's last year, of his old deal, that's 189 over six, 31.5 per year, takes him well over Tyreek Hill, equal with Bosa and new money. That would make sense. But again, 
it, the fact that Justin has to wait really now, it's only whatever five months to do it is, is a little bit problematic for him in that regard, but he, he's a very confident guy. He knows he's going to get paid. He knows, he knows he's got 19 million guaranteed already for next year on the fifth year option. So if he's okay with it, then I think that's, that works better for the Vikings. Interesting. <clears throat> Interesting. What my fear is that the deal not getting done. Uh, my fear on behalf of the Vikings organization is it lets Justin's mind wander a little bit to thinking about what it might be like to play elsewhere. And if this season doesn't go well, or cousin doesn't go well, or doesn't, or it looks like they might not be, you know, have a quarterback he wants here next year, all of a sudden things get a little dicey. Yeah. And I think that's true. And, and that is a risk in that regard. And, and you say it's a, maybe a little bit more of a risk after the opener. Right. But what, the one thing that apparently is not a risk is that Justin's going to play hard. And yeah, I, no I think we saw, I think we saw that on the interception, yes. <laughs> especially when he laid out Izine of Tampa Bay and it would have been nice if maybe Justin tried to strip him because 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 I, Izine or Izine, he he didn't see him coming for sure. <laughs> no question. So that was, that was kind of a wild play, and and certainly showed that Justin's not protecting himself. <laughs> no, very very true. There's no doubt. There was no, and that was the, you know, listen. He's going to get very rich, and the money can kind of skew how you look at human beings, but. Uh, he didn't hold out. He didn't hold in. He didn't skip practices. He didn't pretend he had an ear infection or a sore back. He practiced hard all camp. Uh, then the first game after he didn't get a deal done, he went out there and played extremely well and, as you said, extremely hard. Uh, that that probably uh, that probably softens the blow a little bit for both the Vikings and their fans. Yeah, I, th- I think it does. But I, I think you're raising the issue of, of a little bit of – whether Justin's going to become a little disenchanted. I think that that is a something to think about. And mm-hmm. I, I think it, 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 it should be a, a concern um, based on just any player's approach to the game and, and how he looks at his future here. And if he thinks, well, maybe someday I'd like to be back home in, in Louisiana, or I'd like to be out, out in LA or who, who knows what could happen over the course of, of a long season and the Vikings just have to hope that that's not the case with, with Justin. I think making him a captain gets him more invested in the team, but certainly that opening day. And, and if I'm Justin, I'm, I'm a little upset that I only was targeted twice in the second half. And especially down the stretch, it was kind of shades of, of the giants playoff game when they didn't go to him late in the game. And in this case, you look at those last couple drives and they threw to him, I think, once on the last two drives. That that just can't happen when you've got the best receiver in the league and, and on a critical third and ten play they or whatever it was, they, they go to, to the rookie Addison uh, instead of targeting Jefferson. Now, of course, he surely was double covered, but he was beating double coverage a lot in that game. And so that that's got to be a little bit, sticking in his craw after that opening game loss that, that never should have happened. No, no doubt. Why do we think it happened? Do you think they were looking ahead to Philadelphia? Do you think uh, Tampa surprised them? Do you think they just played poorly? I, I just think they paid, played poorly. I think the, the turnovers 
really tur- turn the tide in that game and and put the Vikings behind the eight ball. And when you looked at that first half and the Vikings were so dominant, whatever, 287 to, to 95 in total yards, and yet they're tied 10-10 at, at, at the half. I, I thought the interception in the last minute was really a, a kind of a devastating blow when you for sure have three points and and probably seven points and cousins tries to stick it in there to Osborne on a first down pass, which I thought was, was just really overly risky. And even, even Kirk admitted afterwards, he should have waited for Addison to come free and, and yeah, Osborne maybe could have done a better job securing the ball. It was not, not a great game for KJ either, by the way, in, in his first game. True. In a contract year, he also had that later uh, third down pass on, I think it was the second to last drive that, that kind of went through his hands. Now, it wasn't a, a good throw by Cousins because he threw it high, but you expect a starting receiver in the NFL to get up and go get that ball unless it was really too high for him. Uh, but it, it, it looked on the broadcast like, like he could have caught it. Uh, so, but I, I just think it was, it was, Overly risky to, to throw it in there to him at, the, at that point on the goal line, and and yeah, the Bucks corner makes it makes a great play on on the ball to steal it from Osborne, but it, it was not necessary to do that on first down at that point when you've got points guaranteed to you. So I think a lot of things happened in the game. I think the second half, after the defense played well in the first half, but when they gave up that that long touchdown pass to Evans. In the second quarter, I think that gave Mayfield a little more confidence after he was not looking good early and missing receivers, and then he completes that ball, and all of a sudden the second half, the Bucks start out with a nine-minute drive. I think that took a lot of, of the gusto out of that Vikings defense, and at that point in time, they started to get worn down, and, and that's the concern in week one. It always is. There always are a lot of upsets in, in week one, and we'll talk more about that around the league when you see teams such as the, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Seahawks losing losing games that they were favored to win, put the Vikings in that boat as, as whatever six-point favorites. You see the Giants laying an egg <laughs> on Sunday night. And so just a lot of things happen in week one. Every year there are upsets, but – it also puts you behind the eight ball. And, and I think a lot of things happen. I think the conditioning is a factor. I think that Kevin O'Connell should now be rethinking his approach to preseason where he doesn't play any starters. That backfired this year. It worked last year against Green Bay. It did not work this year. They were definitely looking rusty out there early offensively, even though they ran up whatever 275 yards in the first half. But the turnovers were a huge factor, and that's part of the overall whatever it's conditioning. And I think the conditioning factor definitely weighed on the defense in the second half. So a lot of things happened, and I, and I think maybe a slight overlook of the Bucks, even though that should not happen because every NFL team has talented players. The Bucks have a lot of great players, especially on that defense. Uh, Vita Vea and Devin White and Levante David. Antoine Winfield, there are a lot of really good players on that Tampa defense, so they should not have been overlooking them. I don't think they really were. I just, I just think the, the turnovers and the really critical penalties 
were a huge factor. The Jay Ward offside on, on the on the field goal, man, that is just a killer play. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, any insight into why Cousins looked so upset after the Osborne play? Because it didn't look like he was saying, I shouldn't have thrown the ball. It looked like he was saying something else. Yeah, I think he was He was saying, it, it seemed to, to me, he was saying that was a bad call. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, that's what struck me. Or, or or perhaps he was he was upset that KJ didn't secure the pass, which was in his, which was in his hands. So we're not sure, and Kirk's not going to tell us <laughs> because he's on to Philadelphia. But right. yeah, he he was definitely upset at that point, and I think he knew what a critical mistake it was and what a bad play it was overall. Uh, and and to say, hey, I wanted to to throw it a little bit behind him because the, the safety's coming in. No, you're, you're throwing it into traffic at that point. I, and as I said, on a first down play. And so it was just a bad play and a bad game for, for Kirk. It's just, it's crazy though. You look at the stats, he's got whatever over 100 rating in the game, <laughs> but it's a loss and it does not look good, especially when your main rivals, the Lions and the Packers both win on opening day. And, and now you go to week two. And the one thing I always said, Jim, in my NFL days, I hated to lose in week one because it puts tremendous pressure on a team to win in week two because you do not want to go 0-2. It, it creates a big uphill climb. And, hey, the Chargers are no slouch coming here in week three, by the way. So, And then they got Kansas City week five. So it, it creates this big pressure to get a win in week two and then you're going on a short week to play the NFC champs who are loaded and coming off a win in New England where they didn't play really well. And what I thought was really interesting was the Eagles coach Nick Sirianni says after the game that his team's slow start offensively, they only had 251 total yards and Hurts didn't have a big game, but they held on to win. And he said after the game, I'm, I'm going to rethink not playing my guys at all in preseason which is easier to say after you win the game <laughs> for, for Kevin O'Connell to say that after a loss, that, that probably wouldn't have played as well in, in the, in the, in the minds of, of Vikings ownership, shall we say? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, the two things that jumped out, listen, we can always quarterback play is always going to be vital. Je- Jefferson's usage is always going to be of interest. The two more subtle things, not even subtle. The two things that jumped out at me, that weren't those big obvious players was the offensive line looked terrible. They had already have two injuries, the offensive line and that 2022 draft class. Uh, you know, they got nothing out of scene. They got nothing out of booth. Ingram played horribly and caused a fumble on cousins. Uh, Brian Asmaw did not play much uh, behind Ivan pace. Uh, Caleb Evans looks like a nice player and a nice draft pick for that, that draft pick, that draft class and this offensive line looked very problematic to me long-term. <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and, and Ingram has to be a concern. Yes. He, besides the kind of the wild swing of his arm, which was, which he shouldn't be doing that caused the fumble. He was beat many times inside on run plays. Uh, he was beat for a sack. And the expectation was that he would improve in year two. Well, we didn't see it in year, in week one of year two. So, what do they do with him? And I, I agree with you. When you look at the top of that draft class with Seen and Booth and Ingram and Asamoah, and Asamoah 
was yanked out of the game very early. If, if you recall, the, the tight end Keefe of, of Tampa on one of the early series, wide open on the goal line, and, and Mayfield throws it over his head. And, and that, I think that was Asamoah's guy, and after that, Pace was in the ball game. And so, yeah, I, I think a Caleb Evans can be a really good corner. I like what he does. Ty Chandler, I think, could be a, a, a definitely a contributing back. But Jalen Naylor, perhaps, was good, is a good special team guy. We'll see if he can be a good receiver down the road. But the top of the draft, you want the top of your draft to be starters, and, and we're not seeing it so far out of scene. And Booth and Ingram not playing great. And, and speaking of, of scene, Josh Metellus is a guy that, that the coaches seem to love. But it's one thing to really, really like a player. But it's another thing to ask a safety to cover Mike Evans deep. <laughs> so you talk about Brian Flores' scheme, and I think they did a lot of good things, and he did a lot of good things, especially in the first half. But that was not a good thing. I, I did not like that coverage to have, to have, to have Metellus responsible for a, a four-time Pro Bowl receiver in Mike Evans. <clears throat> and the other thing I didn't like in, in terms of, of Flores' scheme was the last play when Mayfield completes the ball to Chris Godwin, and they've got Makai Blackman, the rookie, in, in basically single coverage and playing off of Godwin in that situation without safety help on third and 10, you've got to cover their, their top receivers in that situation. Even if you're expecting them to run the ball and keep the clock moving, Hey, <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta cover in that case and, and probably be up there jamming them at the line of scrimmage. And, and so I, I did not like that plan of attack either. We have more to get to, including all the dramatic news around the league, including yes, him. Uh, but first we want to thank our longtime sponsor, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Yeah, and Jim, we also add Platinum Bank. Yes. Has, has rejoined as a sponsor today. So, But first, with, with White Bear Lake Superstore, our great sponsor, longtime sponsor, and my great friend owner, Paul Rubin, General Manager Charlie Gutrell, and their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running, with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team. Check out their great website, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You'll find $1,000 dealer discount plus $1,250 rebate and 1.9% APR on 2023 Buick Encore GX. $1,500 dealer discount plus $3,250 trade assistance and bonus cash with a 0.9% APR on 2023 GMC Sierra Crew Cab 1500s and 0.9% APR and $3,250 purchase allowance on 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s, plus no monthly payments until 2024 on many of these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience Buick GMC, we are professional grade. And let's welcome back Platinum Bank. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about our great sponsor, Platinum Bank. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider in today's environment? 
Businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive VP Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. The league never fails to feel epic. And on you know Sunday night, you had the Cowboys destroy New York in New York. And then the next night, next same stadium, Aaron Rodgers, goes out fourth play without completing a pass as a New York Jet. And it's the biggest news of the weekend. And then the Jets somehow go on and win that game in dramatic fashion. What do you make of that entire scene? Yeah, I I make that the Jets are in trouble, (laughs) regardless of of an opening win at home over the Bills. Especially considering Josh Allen turned it over four times in that game. Uh, The Jets should have won easier than they did. but but. It's just going to be a very a, a big problem for the Jets with Zach Wilson at quarterback. He, you, you could see the game plan was was very much watered down with him. Now he does look a little more confident than in the past, but he's clearly not the caliber of player that some of the other high draft choices have been in recent years, and and especially when you look at losing Aaron Aaron Rodgers, who they invested so much money and effort and promotion and everything. <clears throat> I, even though I'm not a Rogers fan, I can, I can feel for the Jets management folks and ownership in that situation because it's just a, so much. And you could tell in the stadium, the air went out of the whole stadium with the fans when, when Rogers went out and <clears throat> we haven't, I guess necessarily heard the confirmation that it's a torn Achilles, but it certainly appears that way. And usually as I said, when the diagnosis is of a, of a torn Achilles on the field, that almost always is true. So Rogers is, is likely done, and it just creates a a tough situation for the Jets, who have a lot of talent on that football team. And the quarterback was the big issue last year, and now they're right back where they were. Do they go out and, and sign a veteran quarterback? There's some talk about it, perhaps of someone like a, a Carson Wentz, a Matt Ryan, perhaps. But we'll see what happens. And especially when you f- figure the Jets are in a tough division, the Dolphins, if, if Tua can stay healthy, they are obviously prolific on offense, not so great on defense. The Patriots look pretty good battling the Eagles down to the wire. And looks like Max Jones is, is a – in a better place than he was last year with Bill O'Brien back there as a coordinator. And then you look at the bills and I'm sure they're going to work hard with, with Josh Allen not to turn it over because they've got a pretty good defense. So, and, and the AFC is loaded as a whole. We know that. So it's going to be tough for the jets. And, and that was a really, really devastating blow to them. And obviously to, to Rogers in that situation. Reminder, this is this, the Jeff Diamond Show is presented by Minnesota State Lottery's Vikings Scratch Game. 
they're sponsoring both of our football shows and a few other shows around the network this year. So that's another way you can you can gamble on football. Go to go to Minnesota State Lottery. Uh, how did Howie Roseman build? It, what strikes me about Roseman and the Eagles is here's a guy who took Rager instead of Justin Jefferson, and that move might have doomed some general managers. And the Eagles still have one of the best rosters in football. How has he put this thing together? Yeah, I, I think Howie works his salary cap magic with voidable deals uh, to re-sign so many of, of the team's top players. And and he's done that the last couple of years with the veteran players. Now, eventually, it's going to come home to roost on him. And But meanwhile, he's got a Super Bowl contender in Philadelphia, and, and they are my Super Bowl favorite because I just think their roster is loaded, even though, even though they lost seven starters. But there are guys, a lot of those were positions that are, were replaceable, uh, the the linebackers they lost T.J. Edwards and Kazir White, and they replaced them. Even though one of the guys that they replaced him with, Nicobe Dean, uh, former third round pick, is, is probably going to miss this game with the Vikings uh, with a foot injury. And also James Bradbury, by the way, another guy that they brought back, but he's reportedly in concussion protocol this week. So. So they could be missing two important starters on that defense, but they're still loaded. They Roseman did the voidable deals to keep Jason Kelsey, their, their Pro Bowl center, Darius Slay and Bradbury and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham on the defensive line. So that's that's how he does it. And they lost Miles Sanders, but we know in this day and age with running backs being devalued, he thinks he's got enough players at that position with, with Kenneth Gainwell, who got most of the reps in the Patriot game, they also also signed DeAndre Swift and, and Rashad Penny as free agents. So they've got enough talent on that football team to stay competitive. And they got Jalen Hurts, who was the second-team All-Pro and second in MVP balloting. He didn't have a great opening game, but again, didn't play in preseason. So, yeah, I think that's how Roseman does it. He does it with those voidable deals. They're, they're going to come back to haunt the Eagles at some point in time, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and meanwhile, it, the Vikings have a really tough task going into Philadelphia in week two. And, and and not unlike some other teams around the league, the Vikings laying an egg in week one. Well, so did who, who saw the Rams, Jim, going into yeah. Seattle and outscoring the Seahawks, a playoff team last year. The Rams were five and 12. And, the, and, and, the and Rams, without Cooper Cup, their best player. Or the best Without offensive player. And, and they outscore him 23 to nothing in the second half. That's a horrible loss for Pete Carroll and the, the Seahawks at home in a divisional game. Joe Burrow and the Bengals get whipped 24 to 3 in Cleveland. Burrow passes for career low 82 yards. Now, I'm not giving up on the Bengals, who were my AFC Super Bowl pick at all. And I think Burrow is still coming, working his way back from that calf injury, which Apparently, it's still an issue, even though he says it's not. Uh, and Cleveland's got a pretty good roster, but Deshaun Watson didn't even play that well, and they and they demolished the Bengals. And so, and then you already mentioned the Giants, who were horrendous against Dallas with Daniel Jones a sack seven times. The Giants give up a blocked field goal return and a pick six, and so just so many teams struggled in week one that were playoff teams last year that lost at home that were favored like the Vikings and throw the Chiefs into that mix certainly 
in their bad loss to the Lions when they were really missed Travis Kelsey. Chris Jones was was out with his holdout. Now he's back, and that will certainly help their cause. But it doesn't help the Vikings that, that Chris Jones missed week one because now the Vikings are looking up at the Lions, who certainly couldn't have expected to win that game. And, and the Packers look good, and Jordan Love looked good. So the Vikings are 0-1. The, the Packers and the Lions are 1-0, and and they both have possibly easier games this week, certainly than the Vikings do. The Lions host Seattle. Now maybe Seattle bounces back in a big way. We'll see. And, and Green Bay goes to Atlanta, who did win their opener, and Atlanta can run the ball. That that's, has not been the Packers' strength, strength in terms of run defense in the past, but the Packers' defense played pretty well against the Bears, who we thought were improved but didn't look like it in week one. So I always felt, Jim, you kind of have to give an NFL season about four weeks to see how things really shake out with teams. And maybe through four weeks, if the Vikings, I expect them to get beat in Philadelphia. But if they can bounce back and and find a way to, to, to beat the Chargers and then the Panthers on the road before they run into the Chiefs. Maybe Then they sit 2-2 two and two going into that Kansas City game. And when you lose a game like, like T- Tampa Bay that they should have won, then you you got to figure you got better find a, a win down the road that you didn't expect. And maybe perhaps that will be in week five here against the Chiefs. I don't think so, but it could happen. <laughs> Anything can happen. We've known that. And with that, let us get us get to our picks. We're going to stay in the division this week. We will end with the Vikings-Eagles pick. And again, we never do this because we want you to bet money on our picks. This is a good way to pop around the league, talk about different situations. As you said, Green Bay going to Atlanta. Jordan Love looked really good. I watched that game. Jordan Love looked really good. Uh, Aaron Jones has a hamstring problem. Atlanta ran the ball well, did not throw the ball particularly well. How do you pick that one? Well, I'm, I'm going to pick the Packers in a close game. I think Atlanta is improved, but and it is questionable if Green Bay can stop the Falcons' running game. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta won this game, and, I, and I'm sure sure the line is going to be very close, I would expect. I haven't seen it, but I'll take Green Bay to win this game in a close one. Agreed. Chicago at Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay, surprisingly good first week. The Bears, to me, looked like a mess. Yeah, they did. I, I think that I think the Bears will will play better in Week Two, but and I do think that their roster is better. But but Tampa Bay has, has enough veteran savvy players, and and I think Mayfield will be playing with, with more confidence than he started the Viking game. Having won that opener, takes a little pressure off of him because this is such an important year for him on on his one year deal at whatever, $8.5 million, including incentives, he's got a lot at stake. I'll, t- I'll take Tampa Bay to win this game. Agreed again. Seattle coming off a disappointing loss against Detroit with a surprising victory. Yeah. I, I really expect the Seahawks to bounce back in a big way, but I, I don't think they're going to get it done in Detroit. And, and I, I'll go with the Lions. Some, something's amiss in Seattle to play that poorly in the second half. And, and again, part of it is that week one conditioning after, after not playing a lot in preseason. But it certainly wasn't the weather in Seattle. <laughs> not, not so hot down there. And, and that's another reason that kind of favors Tampa Bay against the Bears is that hot weather in, in, in Tampa Bay. But I'll, I'll take the Lions. 
I'm going to take the Lions. Uh, Seattle, you know, normal week. Detroit has that nice little – had the weekend off because they played last Thursday. Uh, I think they might be the better team, and they're playing at home. Seattle having to go east. I'm going to take Detroit there. Now let's wrap it up. Vikings at Philadelphia. I'll be there on Thursday night in Philadelphia. I'll try not to get mugged or beat up uh, <laughs> uh, by Eagles fans. I mean, this one – I'll go first let you wrap up the show with your pick. I mean, I, it just feels like a, a brutal task at this moment. Uh, especially with the Vikings offensive line injuries. I'm going to say the Eagles and probably by 10 to 15. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you, Jim. I, I think the Vikings will play decent early in the game. And I think that they, if, if they can't run the ball better than they did against Tampa Bay, it's going to be a really long night because that Eagles pass rush, they just come in waves. And you look at a guy like Jalen Carter, who is sharing time with Jordan Davis, and, and Carter had a sack and a, and a prep and I think four pressures in the game or five pressures. He he's a controversial guy. We know that after the the road racing incident in Georgia where two people were killed, but he seems seems to be on track on the field in Philadelphia. And but if they're missing James Bradbury, uh, a second team All Pro corner, that will certainly help the Vikings passing game if they have time to throw. But if they can't run the ball and the Eagles can pin their ears back and guys like Hassan Reddick can, can go after Cousin, it's going to be a, a tough, tough game. And, and, so, and, and I certainly question whether the Vikings defense and their corners can cover A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So, I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with the Eagles in this game. And, and I, I, I agree with you. I'm going to say it's probably a 10 to 14 point win for them. Thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore.com, Platinum Bank, Minnesota State Lottery, Viking Scratch Game Edition. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week to, to set up uh, another difficult Vikings game.